right now on Matter of Fact. I see a lot of broken potential. Students in this West Virginia coal town fear their futures are being written off. Day and night you think, how can you make it better for them? In a place where few newcomers choose to live. Some of the old timers were bringing folding chairs and sitting across the street and watching it go because it was something new being built in their hometown. Could a brand new apartment building for teachers kickstart the comeback this town needs? Plus, we've always pushed the envelope. Here we have even bigger challenges of having humans living and working on another planet. NASA's former chief scientist reveals what's ahead in the new era of space exploration. And these friends turned bandmates dreamed of being rock stars and named their band The Slants. The U.S. Patent and Trade Office told you you couldn't be the Slants. They said it was because we were too Asian. How the battle over their controversial name ended up at the Supreme Court. I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. Teachers are in demand as school districts across the country try to desperately fill vacancies. According to a Brown University study, schools need more than 36,000 teachers, and they're using more than 163,000 instructors who don't have appropriate certification. We've been reporting on the reasons for the shortages, the pandemic, burnout, a dramatic drop in graduates with education degrees, and that leaves districts looking for creative ways to attract teachers. In Alabama, some schools are offering bonus pay up to $10,000 for math and special education teachers. Tennessee is allowing districts to hire non-certified teachers, and retired teachers can return without losing their retirement benefits. San Francisco is helping teachers with mortgage down payments up to $40,000. For McDowell County in the Appalachian Mountain region of West Virginia, teacher vacancies are nothing new. Our correspondent Jessica Gomez traveled to McDowell County to see what's being done to try to get teachers into the classrooms. The Kennedy family out the door before the sun comes up. It's dark when we leave and it's dark when we get home. They live in Wyoming County, West Virginia, but spend about two hours in the car to and from work in neighboring McDowell County. We love kids. That's why we do what we do. And there she is. The Kennedys, among about one third of the teachers and administrators at the McDowell County School District who commute from other counties. Very good. Terry, a special education teacher, and Tim, an assistant principal. Where are you going for first period right now? And they're desperately needed. Substitutes now covering the nearly three dozen vacant teaching positions this year. Associate Superintendent Ingrida Barker. We have principals subbing, we have central office sometimes coming in to help out just because we need that coverage. The two properties I'm going to go over today. This class learning math virtually, sharing a teacher with another high school. And in the gym, students supposed to be in English class. But there are no English teachers this year and both long-term subs out for the day. Every single day and night you think, how can you make it better for them? Making things better for the remote county nestled in the Appalachian Mountains. Those here weary of the stories told so often about McDowell County, about the loss of coal mining jobs and poverty, the families ravaged by the opioid epidemic, 
the lack of housing, and things to do. What's the next word? Recruiting and retaining teachers here has always been tough. And then the pandemic. It's a salary problem. It's a workforce development problem. In Charleston at the West Virginia Department of Education, Dr. Carla Warren. There must be a shift because if we do not address the talent pool, if we do not address the teacher pipeline, uh, we're going to see permanent damage to our economy. You can't make a change if you can't start from within. So the state turning to high school students like Lakin Siebold, the daughter of a coal miner. And by the end of this module, we will definitely have a better idea. She's part of a pilot program in McDowell and 30 other districts in West Virginia, connecting high schools with state universities to fast track students toward degrees in education. They can complete one year of their college education towards a bachelor's degree in education at no cost to that student while they're still in high school. The hope, students will come back to their home districts their senior year in college, get paid as resident teachers, and stay on. The point is to um, have students who know and love the area, who are from here, and have a stake in the future of our area to come back and educate our children. This is a big boost to downtown Welch. And glimmers of hope new housing will attract those teachers. The American Federation of Teachers behind the decade-long $9 million effort to demolish an old building here and in its place build an apartment complex for teachers. In order to attract and retain young people to move into the county, uh, that there had to be some housing. But like much else here, it's been a struggle. So far, only a handful of renters are teachers. Eight, nine, ten. The Kennedys will soon be among them. I love my students. I think that they would love to see us around. The first thing we have to do is build those relationships and we have to be visible for that to happen. I mean, that would kind of work for foundation too. Lake and Seabolt inspired to do the same. You can't say, oh, it's so bad and then just move away and forget about it forever. I want to go into schools and I want to make an impact on some students' life. An impact that might finally change the story of McDowell County. In West Virginia, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. West Virginia is the second state to start a teacher apprenticeship program through the Department of Labor. It allows districts to pay high school and college students working toward their education degrees for their field experience in the classroom. Next on Matter of Fact, is NASA ready to take another giant leap for mankind? What do you think are the biggest challenges that are facing NASA right now? The ability to launch the biggest rocket humans have ever made that will take us to the moon and then even on to Mars. And later, an Arizona family has worked this land for generations. This is our family legacy. This is what we know how to do. Now, a decades-long drought could destroy their way of life. There was just not enough water to push down the canals. The dam got down to zero acre feet. What's the cost to America's farm families when the water runs out? You're watching Matter of Fact, America's number one nationally syndicated public affairs news magazine. Space travel for research, for fun, 
For more than 60 years and hundreds of missions, NASA has changed the way we see space and Earth from scientific discoveries to beautiful photos. It's played a role in global diplomacy. Okay, you just saw a bright flash there. And paved the way for space exploration companies. Right now, NASA is preparing to launch Artemis, a program to return astronauts to the moon. Unlike the Apollo missions, Artemis is said to create a permanent presence on the moon. Dr. James Green is NASA's senior advisor and former chief scientist. Dr. James Green of NASA, always nice to see you, sir. Let's talk about where we are kind of in NASA's history. Would you describe this as a new NASA? Well, as an exciting time for human exploration, the concept of leaving low Earth orbit and going to the moon is starting with Artemis One. This area of the moon in the South Pole where we're going has got what we believe several hundred million tons of ice water trapped in these permanently shadowed areas. Now, water is a tremendous resource for us. Whether it's on the moon or here on Earth, we can drink it as a resource. We also can tease it apart in its components, hydrogen and oxygen, breathe the oxygen. We also, when we tease it apart, can actually create rocket fuel. But I think we're gonna find a whole plethora of things that we're gonna really be interested in because it will tell us about the history of the Earth and the moon over the last 4.6 billion years. But the history of the Earth and the moon over the last 4.6 billion years, that's not the main mission of Artemis, is no. it? I mean, what's the big picture goal? Going to the moon allows us to begin the process of learning how to live and work on a planetary surface. And that will happen with Artemis three when we have uh, the first woman and the first person of color stepping and walking on the surface of the moon. So if you're talking about eventually some kind of permanent mission to the moon, does it de facto carve out a space that in fact is not for all, all mankind? It's for very specific people. No, I don't think so. We have what are called the Artemis Accord. These are 10 basic principles of how we wanna work together in space. And that includes the sharing of data, the open access to activities, in addition to bringing on astronauts from uh, many other different countries. So I view it very much uh, as a collaboration across the globe. When I've had a chance to, to cover private sector um, flights in some capacity, I always thought there'd be tons of competition. And yet I would talk to astronauts and they were so excited, like genuinely thrilled that anybody who was going up in whatever level of space they made it into. Talk to me a little bit, um, Dr. Green, about the role of the private sector. Now, NASA's been working with international partners for, you know, decades. And here's the opportunity to bring our own commercial sector into that coordinated partnership that allows us to better utilize resources, uh, have them develop capabilities that we can leverage and use and buy, and have them go to International Space Station delivering crew. Dr. James Green, always nice to see you, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. Coming up on Matter of Fact, farmers are desperate for relief as their water sources dry up. This drought has just been one that I don't think any of us expected and not sure how to deal with it. 
what the mega drought means for families rooted to the land. And still ahead, find out why this rock band called The Slants had to go to court to reclaim their band name. The West Coast mega drought is threatening the nation's crops and the people who produce them. Many call the situation a crisis as the Colorado River system sits at just 34% of its peak capacity. Agriculture depends on that river. Farmers and ranchers use around 75% of the water for irrigation. Well now, severe water shortages in California, Nevada and Arizona are drying up that supply. To conserve what's left, regulators are cutting off water to farmers. Our correspondent, Dina Demetrius, traveled to Casa Grande, Arizona, to talk with the Kaywood family about the drought that's now threatening their livelihood. On my way out here, I passed by the canal, and there was no water in it, and I just burst into tears. In the heart of the southwestern desert in Pinal County, Arizona, Nancy Kaywood's farm emerges from the arid terrain like a little piece of Eden. Does this alfalfa look like how you would like it to look? No, we would like it to look a lot thicker. Um, we were into kind of um, a situation where it was not greening up at all. And so do you take it out? Do you take the chance that it's going to rebound? And if it does rebound, is it going to be worth the water? The Kaywoods have been productive cotton and forage crop farmers for 100 years, four generations farming 247 acres. But before he passed last year, Kaywood's father wondered if it would make it to a fifth. He was very concerned about the drought. You know, and he said, I don't know how much longer you guys can hang in. The years-long drought has ravaged the area. Coolidge Dam and its reservoir San Carlos Lake, which provides irrigation to hundreds of farms, plummeted to 3% of full capacity. Now this main canal is bone dry. This is the first time that I know of in the history of all of the farms around here that this has been shut down in April. And that is unheard of. That's the time we irrigate. You're going to see around 60% fallowing this year. Stephen Miller is the chair of the Pinal County Board of Supervisors and sits on the board of the Central Arizona Project, which manages the Colorado River's canals and allocations through three counties. It's going to definitely have an effect on the economics of this, this community. Um, $2.8 billion of generated in the ag community in Pinal County. There's going to be less cotton grown, less hay grown. Uh, there's already herd depletion in the dairy industry. Ag is short for agriculture, and with water cuts hitting that first, not only do farmers lose income, their property taxes also become unbearable. The tax code is set up to keep an ag status on your land, which gives you a reduced rate. I mean, it doubles the taxes from ag status to vacant land. For the Kaywoods, that's a $22,000 tax and water bill. We are talking about if we have to sell to try to find land in a, a more, um, you know, where there's more water available to us. But I think we're still in shock that we said the S word. You know, the sale word is just almost more than any of us could emotionally handle. For now, the Kaywoods are looking to deeper groundwater wells for a reprieve. Just gives us this little tiny, shiny bit of hope is that that could happen. And it's that little bit of hope that allows the Kaywoods to continue staying rooted in Pinal County, for now. 
This is our family legacy. This is what we know how to do. This is what we're about. This is us. In Casa Grande, Arizona, I'm Dina Demetrius for Matter of Fact. Next, he called his Asian-American rock band, The Slants. I'm gonna take this outdated, uh, backwards slur, turn it on its head, and make it a badge of pride. How that move turned into an eight-year court battle to claim the name. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. Not every Supreme Court case makes big headlines. The case of a small Asian-American band from Oregon is one of those. In 2010, this self-described Chinatown rock dance band filed a trademark request to use the name The Slants. It was rejected on the grounds that it was hurtful to the AAPI community. The Slants didn't think that ruling made sense, so they took their battle all the way to the Supreme Court. Here's an excerpt of their story from our special contributor, Joey Chen. I just wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to play music. Simon Tam isn't your stereotypical rock star. That's right, he named his Asian American band The Slants. I'm going to take this outdated, uh, backwards slur, turn it on its head, and make it a badge of pride. I wanted to start this band specifically as a way to kind of represent and share and celebrate Asian American culture. That simple goal spun into an eight-year-long legal odyssey, which began with Tam's bid to trademark the band's name. I'm the only person in all of U.S. history to be denied a registration for the term. When we asked the government why, they said it was because we were too Asian to use the mark. You can watch Joey's full report and all the stories that were part of the latest Matter of Fact listening tour by going to our website, matteroffact.tv. Next on Matter of Fact. It's that time of year, the season when billions of birds migrate across the U.S. A look at the new tracking tool that has bird lovers flying high. And finally, it's that time of year, the season when billions of birds migrate across the U.S. Birds migrate to find ideal climates where they can breed and stay warm and find abundant food sources. Scientists have been using weather surveillance radar to track bird migration patterns since the mid-1990s. With changing temperatures, they're seeing a shift in migratory flight patterns and timing. To engage citizens, the tracking technology is now available to bird watchers everywhere. Created by the Cornell Lab, the BirdCast Migration Dashboard is a real-time tracking tool to send to your county or state, and you can identify bird species, the direction of flight, speeds, and altitudes. Now bird watchers and conservationists can get a better picture of bird migration and the way that birds are reacting to climate change. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and I'll see you back here next week. Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI and YouTube.